Welcome to the dawn. You have just accessed the gold experience. Press gold to begin. Welcome to the Spooky Electric Podcast by me, Trent Venegas. You need another podcast like you need another hole in your head. So here we go. It is time for another episode of Spooky Electric. And this episode I am really, really excited about because um, after 10 months of uh, publishing this podcast, this is the first episode that is solely devoted to Prince, one of my all-time favorite artists. I've taken a real long time with um, feeling comfortable enough to do a Prince episode because um, I really want to make sure that um, I get it right, that I do him justice. And to be honest, when you're talking about an artist as prolific and as insanely talented as Prince, it's it's literally impossible to um, to talk about all of the things that you really, really want to talk about in order to do the man justice in a half hour, hour, two hour long uh, podcast conversation. That being said, uh, I'm going to do my very best with this first uh, Prince-centric episode, which is completely devoted to the gold experience album era. Um, anyone who knows me knows that 90s Prince is probably my favorite Prince. He was funky, he was sexy, he was uh, swearing up a storm, he was having fun, and it is the era of Prince music where I feel like he um, <clears throat> really took a lot of risks, um, really expanded his his uh, music base of like music he was producing. He was insanely prolific. I mean, he's been prolific his whole entire career, but like in the 90s, he was uh, really prolific. He was going through a lot of personal things. Um, and uh, the Gold Experience album kind of en encapsulates uh, the best of what we got from Prince in the 90s. So. There's a whole lot of information that I have to get through for this episode. So um, I hope you are ready for a nice, long, very fun conversation about Prince, the artist formerly known as the Unpronounceable Symbol, and his Gold Experience album, Era. Now, the Gold Experience Era spans years. It spans seven albums and spans a transformation from Prince to an artist who decided that his name was going to become uh, an unpronounceable symbol. So before we get to the discussion of the music that I have compiled for this podcast episode playlist, there is a timeline full of a lot of information that I have to share with all y'all in order to provide context and to fully flesh out the story of the artist formerly known as the unpronounceable symbol, his gold experience album era. So because we're dealing with songs that are credited to both Prince and 
the unpronounceable symbol. And at the time, uh, people referred to him as the artist formerly known as Prince or the artist. Um, so because we're dealing with songs that are credited to both Prince and the artist, I will do my best to refer to the man with the appropriate name throughout this discussion as it changed or changes. Ultimately, though, at this point, it's not really integral that the distinction is made between Prince and the artist because he ended up reclaiming his name again and will forever be known and loved as Prince. But at the time, at this point in time of his career in the 90s, it was extremely important to refer to Prince songs as Prince songs and the artist formerly known as Prince songs as the artist formerly known as Prince songs. Okay. So uh, let's get to the timeline. So June 7th, 1993, the Gold Experience album era starts uh, in 1993, and it spans all the way to 1998. So let's talk about the timeline. So on June 7th, 1993, the artist formerly known as Prince is born. Infuriated by a long-running contract dispute with his record label Warner Brothers, Prince reached the end of his tether when executives asked him to release fewer albums in 1993. The singer had put out a new LP every year since the release of his debut album For You in 1978, with the single exception of 1983. So 1983 was the only year he didn't put out a new LP, but he had put out an, an LP every single year up until that point from the beginning of his career in 1978. And the Warner marketing department had begun to grow anxious that Prince was flooding the market with new material, overwhelming demand, and drawing increasingly indifferent reactions from the critics. Despite his putting out such all-time classics as 1999 in 1982, Purple Rain in 1984, and Sign of the Times in 1987, during that prolific period, the label feared Prince risked losing his mystique and that overfamiliarity might breed contempt from fans, from critics, from the public. Prince angrily disagreed and began performing with the word slave written on his cheek. A born contrarian, the request that he stem the flow of his creativity proved the last straw, and he conceived, he conceived the symbol as a replacement for his given name, allowing him to regain control of his output without breaking his contract by releasing records under the new alias instead. So, uh, when Prince changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol or love symbol number two, uh, he issued a press statement and it re reads this, quote, the first step I have taken towards the ultimate goal of emancipation from the chains that bind me to Warner Brothers was to change my name from Prince to the unpronounceable symbol. Prince is the name that my mother gave me at birth. Warner Brothers took the name, trademarked it, and used it as the main marketing tool to promote all of the music I wrote. The company owns the name Prince and all related music marketed under Prince. I became merely a pawn used to produce more money for Warner Brothers." End quote. It was the ultimate anti-commercial provocation with which to confound the suits, who were forced to send out floppy disks to music magazines containing a font that would accommodate the glyph so that the press would be able to continue writing about their star asset. So when uh, Prince changed his name, he had a, a floppy disk with a font that featured the unpronounceable symbol, that glyph, love symbol number two, so that um, music journalists or people who wanted to write about him 
could install that font onto their computers and then they could um, type out the symbol when they were talking about him in music reviews or just regular news reports. I mean, it was like a very complicated thing that everyone at Warner Brothers just hated because it was just complicated. But for Prince, it was very important for him to have his new name used properly. And that was what he did. Uh, he offered this tool, uh, the, the floppy disk with the font of his new name so that people could properly uh, address him and uh, write about him in, in the press. Quote, it is an unpronounceable symbol whose meaning has not yet been identified. It is all about thinking in new ways, tuning into a new frequency, the purple one offered, um, not entirely helpfully. So Prince would later suggest that the glyph, quote, entered his consciousness during meditation. He said that it was inspired by two of his backing dancers, Maite Garcia, who would become his future wife, and Tara Lee Patrick, who would become Carmen Electra. In truth, he actually asked uh, his creative consultants, Mitch Monson and Liz Luce, to design it one day at Paisley Park Recording Compound in Chanhassen, Minnesota. It was created for the title of his 1992 album, Love Symbol, which is the symbol that became his name. Uh, it was a combination of the astrological symbols for Mars and Venus, commonly used to stand for male and female. Uh, the love symbol has been interpreted as a reflection of Prince's androgynous sexuality and rejection of binary gender roles, an idea that has seen him hailed for celebrating trans culture long before LGBT plus concerns achieved mainstream acceptance. It has also been compared to an ancient Egyptian Ankh and even a crucifix. Taken together, the two interpretations suggest a fusion of sex and religion entirely appropriate to the man in his unique brand of sexual, sexually charged pop funk. The artist had his new name trademarked and he used it for the rest of his career. The first version of the love symbol, number one, first appeared in 1982 on the artwork for Prince's album, 1999. Next to the symbol, next the symbol is seen prominently on his motorcycle in the film Purple Rain in 1984, and again on the album artwork for Graffiti Bridge in 1990. The second version of the love symbol, number two, was created in 1992 for the love symbol album, which then became his name in 1993. Both designs, one and two, were trademarked uh, for his use. So talking about the year 1993, after Prince changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol, he intended to release new songs under that moniker in formats other than albums. He would fulfill his contract to Warner Brothers by delivering unreleased material from his music vault. Uh, he conceived a, quote, interactive musical experience called Glam Slam Ulysses, which was a stage show musical loosely based on Homer's Odyssey. Thirteen tracks were selected and premiered as the first new material from Prince uh, at this time. These songs and many others would travel back and forth between different concepts of albums in a relatively short frame of time. The Dawn, a triple album concept, was also conceived around this time. The track listing is unknown, but the idea was ultimately scrapped for single album releases. So he was thinking about doing a three album, a three disc album called The Dawn, and ultimately changed his mind and then took songs from what would have appeared on The Dawn and used them in, uh, in other albums that we will talk about moving forward. 
Um, some of these ended up on Come, the album, uh, and some on a new album called The Gold Album, which would eventually become The Gold Experience. Um, the album was going to be uh, referred to as just The Gold Album, kind of like his Black Album, but he... Uh, apparently, he apparently changed his mind after he received the Living Legend Award at the fourth annual Celebrate the Soul of American Music Awards in Los Angeles on May 7th, 1994. Something happened to him on that night, and he decided to change the Gold album to the Gold Experience. Based on the original unknown concept, fans have since assembled a 57-track, three-disc bootleg album with a playtime of almost four hours of music, which is available for download on the internet. So if you do a search for Prince the Dawn bootleg, you will find this uh, three-disc album that fans have put together based on what you know fans think or hoped Prince would have put together had he made the Dawn album. And uh, I have this bootleg, it is fantastic. And it's kind of the, um, uh, the inspiration for this episode. So The Gold Experience is one of my favorite albums, but the more that I learned about how it was made and where the songs came from, I realized that the Gold Experience um, album era is greater than just that one album, and it's greater than just that one year. And had Prince uh, made the Dawn three-disc album, that might have been what uh, the Gold Experience album era kind of encapsulated because 57 tracks over three albums um, is, is, is pretty much this grand opus story that he uh, at one point wanted to tell, uh, but eventually did tell over the course of seven albums that eventually would become released um, after. So yeah, it's, it's complicated, but uh, Prince's, you know... Um, his, his uh, work is just greater than just a collection of songs. It's always about, you know, these uh, large amounts of songs and ideas that are happening and changing and morphing and growing and being edited until eventually they're released and then he's on to the next thing. So he's always, his whole career has been kind of like this. Uh, on February 1st, 1994, Warner Brothers and Paisley Park Enterprises announced that they were terminating the Paisley Park Records label. Apart from Prince releases, it hadn't come up with a single hit. Albums by Eric Leeds, Carmen Electra, Mavis Staples, and George Clinton had all failed to catch fire. Uh, the offices in Century City, uh, Los Angeles, which he never set foot in, were closed, and its 12-person staff was laid off. Uh, in February 13th, uh, on February 13th, 1994, uh, Prince performed one of the most important co uh, concerts of his career at Paisley Park Studios. Uh, it was titled A Beautiful Experience, which referenced his new song, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Uh, and the performance was geared towards his new music, including songs like Interactive, Days of Wild, Now, and Shh. On February 14th, 1994, uh, the artist formerly known as Prince released uh, a single titled The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. It becomes the first uh, single that was credited to the artist formerly known as Prince and was one of the first singles or even pieces of music ever to be sold online. To replace the Paisley Park Records label as an outlet for side projects, 
Prince formed NPG Records under his Paisley Park Enterprises umbrella. Supposedly, a senior Warner Brothers executive told Prince that he didn't have it in him to make another hit record. In, 19, in, in December 1993, the artist placed ads in British and the U.S. press, including Entertainment Weekly, The Village Voice, and The New York Magazine. The ad read, Eligible bachelor seeks the most beautiful girl in the world to spend the holidays with. It encouraged all interested to send videos and or pictures to Paisley Park. The material set in in response to the ad advertisement was utilized in the video for The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, which was shot on January 22, 1994, and on the single cover. Prince was allowed to release The Most Beautiful Girl in the World independently on NPG Records as part of the Paisley Park Records closedown agreement. He had stumped up $2 million of his own money and put the single out on his own NPG Records label. Warner Brothers stated that they were, quote, accommodating Prince's desire to experiment with independent distribution. They ultimately just, they just thought that he was going to do this on his own, it was going to fail, and that they would be right. Uh, Warner Brothers would only allow him to release just one song, so The Beautiful Experience became an EP with seven different versions of the same song. Beautiful, Stacks of Wax, The Mustang Mix, Flute Instrumental, Sexy Saxophone and Guitar, Mustang Instrumental, and The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. That was the track listing for The Beautiful Experience EP. The song was a huge hit. The Most Beautiful Girl in the World reached number three on the Billboard Pop Chart and number two on the R&B Chart, and it remains his only UK number one song ever. So it was the only song of his to ever go to number one in the UK. So Prince had had hits before, obviously, but uh, the success of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World was especially satisfying for him. It not only proved to Warner Brothers that he could top the charts, he realized that he didn't need a major label anymore. Now he really had to get out of his contract with Warner Brothers. Fourteen language versions of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World were, were planned, but it is reported that only three are known to have been recorded in French, in Japanese, and in Spanish. And it's my understanding that the Spanish version was recorded by Maite Garcia, who would become his wife. And she sings a gender-swapped version of the song, The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, on her one and only album, Child of the Sun, which was released in Europe in 1995. And that album was originally titled Latino Barbie Doll. So while um, the Maite album is kind of in the realm of the Gold Experience album era. I don't necessarily count it as part of the seven albums. Otherwise, that would be like the eighth album. Um, but that album um, is not worth talking about here and now. So um, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World is not available on streaming. It is uh, on the track list for the uh, Gold Experience album, but because of a lawsuit that took place in Italy and uh, apparently the judgment was ruled against Prince, the song is not allowed to be played or sold or streamed in Italy. And as such, the song has been pulled off streaming all around the world. So I could not include The Most Beautiful Girl in the World on the playlist for this episode. So because of that, I'm going to just play the entire song for you right now. So here, have a listen and enjoy. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so now we are at June 7th, 1994. The Interactive CD-ROM is released. Uh, Interactive was a CD-ROM that Prince had produced that was a CD-ROM video game 
where you navigate uh, his, it, it's, it's, it's supposed to be like modeled on his home, his home studio. It's like a, uh, maybe a futuristic version of Paisley Park, but the building is in the shape of the unpronounceable love symbol. And you navigate through the whole entire complex to collect pieces of the symbol. And once it's all put together, you win a prize of hearing uh, a brand new song for the very first time. Um, the disc contained a video game, songs, music videos, a virtual tour through this Paisley Park Studios, and other multimedia resources. Complete gameplay can last for hours. The video game is a graphic adventure with gameplay mechanics similar to Myst, requiring the, pl the player to explore the many different rooms in Paisley Park Studios and solve puzzles to collect the five pieces of Prince's symbol. It features six complete songs, including several which were previously unreleased, 52 song clips, four full-length music videos, 31 video clips, and nine morphs. There's an interactive mixing board for adjusting music. The private club contains clips of musicians including Eric Clapton, Little Richard, George Clinton, and Miles Davis discussing Prince's career. This um, CD-ROM is fantastic. I bought it uh, back in 1994 when I bought my first computer ever. I also bought the CD-ROM and it was like the first video game I ever bought for my uh, home computer and it was such a treat for me. I love this game so much and I'll talk about it a little bit more um, as, as we get uh, to the appropriate part in this conversation. But before we go on, um, the version of Interactive that is uh, playable on the CD-ROM. So the CD-ROM was a video game, but if you put the CD-ROM in a regular CD player, it would play one song and the song is the song Interactive. And um, that version of the song is not available on streaming. So again, I'm going to play the entire thing for you right now. So this is the CD-ROM version of Prince's song of the artist formerly known as Prince's Song Interactive. So have a listen. Hello, welcome to the Dawn, playground for the new power generation. There are over 500 experiences to choose from. Here's a sample. an example of the many experiences the Dawn has to offer. If you would like to continue the interactive experience, please press come. Come. Interactive. I work twice as hard. 
you would like to access another experience, here's how. So now we're up to July 20th, 1994. 1-800-NEW-FUNK, a compilation album by Prince's NPG Records uh, company, uh, was released. It was meant to showcase artists signed to the record label. The title of the album was also a toll-free number in the United States for customers to purchase Prince-related merchandise. So if you dialed 1-800-N-E-W-F-U-N-K on your phone, you would be able to order things from Prince's catalog of CDs, uh, musical instruments, jewelry, t-shirts, uh, and I believe that there was also 1-800-NEWFUNK.COM, which is where you could also order these things online, which was really, really unheard of or not not really, really a thing yet in, in the early 90s. So the fact that Prince was already selling stuff online was a huge revolution at the time. I bought many things from 1-800-NEW-FUNK. I bought the this compilation album. I bought um, keychains and, and, and all kinds of stuff with his symbol on it. Like I was a huge fan of online shopping from the very beginning primarily because of Prince's 1-800-NEW-FUNK website, catalog, toll-free number. Um, Some of the tracks on this compilation album um, are from albums that saw release either through Prince's previous label, Paisley Park Records, or through NPG Records, while others appear only on this compilation. It features a song uh, from the artist formerly known as Prince uh, called Love Sign, which was a duet with Nona Gay, who is the daughter of Marvin Gay. Uh, While Prince was on tour in the summer of 94, promotional copies of Love Sign were delivered to U.S. radio stations uh, in June 1994. Warner Brothers was very unhappy about this, since the record company felt that they had an agreement with Prince that he would not release the song separately from the 1-800 New Funk compilation album in any configuration. So, um, because it would be in conflict with their single release from his album Come, which they were releasing, uh, the first single, Let It Go, they didn't want him competing with himself uh, at at the record store or on the charts and this is the problem that he had with them and which is why he wrote slave on his face and decided that he wanted to get rid of the company altogether um he refused to shoot a video for let it go the single from the come album and he instead shot a video for love sign and produced a single containing seven remixes of the song by teddy riley mac and shock d uh, the artist gave the album his full support and placed an, an advertisement in Billboard magazine promoting the sale of 1-800-NEW-FUNK. Still, the album failed to enter the Billboard's pop chart, although it got to number 45 on the R&B chart. Despite the moderate chart success, Prince's organization claimed that 1-800-NEW-FUNK sold uh, 500,000 copies, making it a gold album. Uh, but Prince's lack of commitment to the Come album, released in August 1994 in favor of the 1-800 New Funk project, had infuriated many Warner Brothers top-level executives. So this is where he was already butting heads with the record company. He wanted the freedom to release anything at any time. Period. The record company wanted him to release things slowly over time and then promote each of the releases so that the maximum amount of success monetarily and chart-wise could be achieved, hopefully. And he was completely at odds with that. So while Warner Brothers wanted him to promote 
his Come album, he wanted to promote his 1-800 New Funk compilation album. And Budding Heads there, um, both projects suffered in terms of uh, the public awareness, chart success, and album sales. Absent all of that, I love the 1-800 New Funk compilation, mostly because I really love the song Love Sign. This is the first time I ever heard of Nona Gay, uh, and her, this is the, the, I was like, oh, like, Marvin Gaye has a daughter? Oh, and she's working with Prince. Like, I thought that was so cool. So the song is very, very catchy, and um, not a lot of casual Prince fans even know it exists, primarily because this compilation album isn't really widely known uh and the song was not able to be released as a single so it kind of didn't really do anything at the time and surely all these years later a lot of people don't know about it but i know about it and i love it and because the original uh, studio album version of love sign is not available on streaming i Again, I'm going to play it for you in full. So this is Love Sign, the artist formerly known as Prince and Nona Gay. Please enjoy uh, and have a listen. Get up off the front and find a cause to back. 
Okay, so now we're up to August 15th, 1994. You still with me? Uh, the Come album by Prince is released. By January 1994, rumors began to circulate that two albums were being readied for release in 1994. The first, Come, was to be an album by Prince, and the other, Gold, was to be a work by the artist formerly known as Prince, the unpronounceable symbol. Prince slash the artist delivered the Gold experience into Warner Brothers around the same time as Come in May of 1994. He proposed that Warner Brothers should release Come by Prince, and a few weeks later, the Gold experience by the artist formerly known as Prince. He wanted both to count toward the fulfillment of his contract because he wanted to fulfill his contract and get the hell out of Warner Brothers. The idea didn't meet with much enthusiasm from the record label, however. Flooding the market with material was exactly what the executives wanted to avoid. Nor were they optimistic about releasing music with an unpronounceable symbol rather than the powerful Prince trademark on the front cover. They agreed to release Come, and they would be happy to release the Gold Experience, but at the appropriate time. Most of the songs from the Come album were recorded in early 1993 during a highly prolific time for Prince. An early collection of single word, ti word titled tracks included Come, Endorphin Machine, Space, Pheromone, Loose, Papa, Dark, and Poem. It is unknown at the time if these tracks were indeed intended for an album. Come is Prince's 15th studio album and would be Prince's final Warner Brothers album under his name in the 90s. Uh, for the remainder of his contract with the company, his name would be represented by the love symbol and he would be referred to as the artist formerly known as Prince. On September 30th, 1994, Prince released a music video for his song Dolphin which uh, was a song that would eventually be included on his album, The Gold Experience, which wouldn't come out till 1995. But Prince, really anxious to get his music out, really wanted to have uh, people hear what he was really excited about at the time, decided to make a video for Dolphin and then release it uh, in September of 1994 even though the album wouldn't come out until 95. But at this point, he didn't even realize, he didn't even know if the album was gonna come out at all. He was doing this because he was trying to pressure the record company to release the album. I suppose he figured if he just kept releasing stuff from the album, that the record company would just release the album to get it out. Um, and they did, but it ended up taking them a year to do so. So now we're up to November 22nd, 1994. Prince's Black Album is officially released um, after it was scrapped in December of 1987. So stick with me here. In October 1994, Prince signed an agreement with Warner Brothers to release the Black Album. The Black Album was originally supposed to be released in 1987. He was supposed to release it after uh, he had released Sign of the Times. And at the very last minute, I mean, the album was pressed and was ready to go was ready to be sent to stores. He decided he did not want it to be released. He thought the album was evil and he decided to not release the album. Um, yeah, so instead of releasing the album, so the Warner was like, okay, we're not gonna release this album. He recorded a whole new album called Love Sexy and then that album was released instead. So this black album has been like in the 
you know, the Warner Brothers archives in the vault ever since 1987. And in 1994, Prince finally decide, decided to sign an agreement to release that album because he wanted that release to count towards the fulfillment of his contract. And he figured it was one more step to getting him out of Warner Brothers. The initial deal proposed to Prince provided for Warner Brothers to pay him $4 million upfront for the release of the Black Album in November of 1994 and the Gold Experience in early 1995. The deal further stipulated that Prince would record a soundtrack to, to a to-be-determined Warner Brothers film. So for $4 million, they were going to release uh, the Black Album in November, the Gold Experience in early 1995, and then Prince would still do a soundtrack for a forthcoming Warner Brothers movie whenever they decided to make one down the line. Um, Prince's attorney was en route to the record company to pick up the check for this $4 million and sign off on the papers when Prince had a last minute change of heart about the deal because he wanted more money. The attorney advised him that it was a very good deal and that he would not be getting any more money from the label. The deal was subsequently canceled and Prince's attorney quit a week later. So at the last minute, Prince decided, nope, I want more money. His attorney was like, they're not going to give you more money. The deal was off. His attorney quit. And that was the end of that for, for that moment. However, um, uh, a deal for just the release of the Black Album was eventually signed, and Prince received approximately $1 million for the release of that album only. However, discussions about the release of the Gold Experience had to be postponed until early 1995. The Black Album was released on November 22, 1994. Prince's publicist, Ken Lee, said that he was, quote, spiritually against the album and that he had been forced to sign the agreement, which... I suppose from his perspective is, is how he felt, but mainly he wanted to get out of the contract and this was one more piece of the puzzle in, in making that happen. The Black Album reached number 47 on the pop chart and number 18 on the R&B chart. The Black Album is the 16th studio album uh, released by Prince. It was originally planned for release on December 8th, 1987 as the follow-up to Sign of the Times. Uh, it was to appear in an entirely black sleeve with no title or even a credit to Prince, hence it was referred to as the Black Album. Uh, critics and fans dubbed it the Funk Bible uh, by preceding press releases and a hidden message within the album itself. Uh, the work seemed to be a reaction to criticism that Prince had become too pop-oriented and this funky Black Album was uh, his, his response to those critics. Um, as we know now, after Prince became convinced that the album was evil, he ordered it to be withdrawn a week before its release, uh, and it was replaced by the album Love Sexy, which was a brighter pop-oriented album with elements of religious affirmation. So, you with me? Here we go. So now we're on to March 1995. Uh, Prince embarks on the ultimate live experience tour in Europe, uh, which took place mostly in the United Kingdom, throughout the, the month of March 1995. The tour was to promote the Gold Experience album that was eventually released in September of 1995. Much of the set list was from the Gold Experience and there was also Come and Exodus material. Exodus is an, uh, an album by the New Power Generation, which I will get to shortly. However, he did say that he would not perform his print stuff from 1978 to early 1993 
he did perform songs like I Love You and Me and Seven uh, with some covers on this tour. So essentially, he was on tour in Europe trying to promote this album that he really wanted to get out uh, to really pressure the record company to release it. And he decided, well, if they're not going to release my album, I'm just going to go on tour and I'm going to play these songs so that people can hear the songs one way or the other. In March, uh, on March 27th, 1995, Exodus, the second studio album by the New Power Generation, was released. Although the track listing boasts 21 tracks, many of the tracks are narrative segues, leaving only nine actual songs, and one of those nine songs was an instrumental. Maite Garcia, who was Prince's uh, dancer at the time, but also his girlfriend and would eventually become his wife, she made a statement uh, at the time regarding the album's title and concept, saying, quote, Well, you know, the exodus. You can look at it in a lot of different ways. It is an exit from a lot of things, an exit from a way of thinking and a way of doing things to do something new, to do something other. So, you know, we've taken off on this exodus stuff and we're going to make a mark out there and do some different things, end quote. While their previous album, uh, Gold Nigga, which I hate that title, um, was more hip-hop oriented, Exodus is more of a pure funk offering, strongly influenced by the sound of Parliament and P-Funk. This album still downplays Prince's involvement in the band with uh, a person named Tora Tora uh, being a member of the band. So Prince took on a, another pseudonym, another identity, uh, a person called Tora Tora, and he he provides background vocals on the album. Obviously, he plays uh, instruments on the album. And when he appears uh, in the album art or in uh, on video, he has a scarf covering his face. So this is another way for Prince to release more music um, under a different persona outside of his contract with Warner Brothers. Um, the front man for the new power generation on this release is his bass player, Sonny T, who handles the lead vocals. So all of the lead vocals on the album are sung by Sonny T, with Prince providing background vocals, but Prince does provide, leaking, does provide lead vocals on two tracks, Return of the Bump Squad and The Exodus Has Begun, using manipulated vocals and is clearly present on many of the spoken segues although sometimes using a disguised accent. So even though Prince was quote unquote hiding on this album, he, uh, he, you know, he was distorting his voice and he was using a different name, but for sure he was prominently in this new power generation group on their album. Because the artist continued to appear in public with the word slave written on his face, in spite of the label's perceived belief that they were on friendly terms with with uh, Prince, Warner Brothers officials canceled the U.S. release of Exodus in retaliation. So Exodus was never released in the United States because Warner Brothers was pissed off that he was still wearing slave on his face. And the album was only released in Europe as a result. So us Prince fans had to order it from 1-800-NEW-FUNK, from his website, from his um, catalog, which is how I got it. Um, and I love it. And um, I'm going to play a clip of The Exodus Has Begun so you can hear a little bit of uh, how Prince sounds on this album. 
because the album is not available on streaming um and i am not going to play the full track because the full track i think is like 10 minutes and for for art for this purposes uh and this song uh, and specifically uh we only need to hear about like a minute clip of it so here is uh, a clip of the exodus has begun by the new power generation with lead vocals by tora tora who was actually prince have a listen <laughs> Have mercy. Uh, the exodus has begun. Have mercy. Uh, the exodus has begun. Now these are the names of the new power generation. The focus of the new nation. Polyvinyl acetate, new power soul Guaranteed, stick to it, never forget, always will be Okay, so now we are up to July 1995, uh, and specifically July 8th, 9th, and 10th, 1995. The Versace Experience Prelude to Gold is released. It was a promotional mixtape originally issued as a limited edition cassette and given away to attendees of the Versace Collection Fashion Show at the 1995 Paris Fashion Week. The album was intended to promote Prince's then forthcoming album, The Gold Experience. The cassette was re-released posthumously for Record Store Day on April 13, 2019 and released on CD, vinyl, and as a digital download and for streaming through NPG Records and Legacy Recordings on September 13, 2019. So the Versace Experience Prelude to Gold cassette was given away to attendees of the Versace Fashion Show and it's made up of edits and remixes of songs that would eventually appear on the gold experience because again prince was trying to pressure warners to release that freaking album already and if they weren't going to do it he was going to do it as much as possible uh when the when this uh the versace experience cassette was uh, released back in 95 it was so rare that for the longest time it was the most expensive um like thing you could buy online, like on Discogs, because it was going for like thousands and thousands of dollars because it was so rare. So when it was reissued uh, on Record Store Day in 2019, I was so happy. I went to Amoeba Records. I, I always go to Amoeba Records on Record Store Day. And, um, you know, I usually get the things that I really, really want. And fortunately, I got a copy of the reissue of the Versace experience on cassette which I have I it's not it's sealed I haven't opened it it's one of I love it um and I'm very thankful that the song is or that the uh the album is available on streaming because I can listen to it whenever I want without having opened the cassette and I don't have a cassette player anyway 
and um, and I can include a song on the playlist. So we will get to that um, when we talk about the playlist. But we're still talking about this timeline um, and all this information um, that makes up the Gold Experience album era. So now we're up to September 1995. Uh, Esquire Gentleman magazine printed an interview with the artist, uh, and it was revealed that he was already working on an album called Emancipation, uh, which was to include around 50 new songs, and it was intended to be his first album when he was free from his record contract with Warner Brothers. He said that his heart and perhaps his best work were going to be featured on the album Emancipation. So I only mention this because it's September 1995. We haven't even gotten to the release of the Gold Experience album yet, but he was already recording and talking about his next album that he was going to release once he was free from the Warner Brothers contract. Um, it's not really relevant to the Gold Experience album era, but I only mention it because, um, as I said, like the album wasn't even out yet. The Gold Experience wasn't even out yet, and he was already recording and promoting his next album. So furthermore, in September 1995, the Gold Experience album is finally released. This is the first uh, album uh, credited to the artist formerly known as Prince. It is the 17th studio album by American singer, songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist Prince slash the artist. The album was produced entirely by Prince slash the artist. The album charted at number six on the Billboard 200 album chart and number two on the hot on the top R&B albums chart. The singles The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, I Hate You, and Gold charted on the Billboard Hot 100 at numbers three, 12, and 88 respectively. So The Most Beautiful Girl in the World did the best, I Hate You did fairly well, and Gold didn't do well at all. On October 13, 1994, a press release by Prince's PR company stated that Prince had re reached the point of no return with Warner Brothers, and due to the conflict, the fans may never get to hear the Gold experience. So the year before, October before, um, he was so fed up with Warner's, he wanted the album out, they were not going to release it, they would end up not releasing it for a full year later, and he released uh, a press release to the public announcing how he felt about what was going on with his record company. Quote, he now feels that his much publicized $100 million deal may have just been a way to lock him into institutionalized slavery. Uh, the artist was anxious to return to turn in the four albums left on his contract and walk away from a situation which is causing him considerable stress, both creatively and emotionally. So soon after uh, he released that press release, NPG Records began passing out flyers and posting messages on the internet with the release date of never for the gold experience, asking fans to continue to petition Warner Brothers to, re to release the album. Warner Brothers claimed that the release of the gold experience had been rescheduled twice because Prince failed to deliver the master tapes, but on September 26, 1995, it finally saw the light of day. It has since been speculated by fans that Prince was actually allowed to keep the masters for the album because its failure to stay in print like his other Warner Brothers albums. So eventually, Warner's released the album, 
Prince probably hung on to his masters because the album has not been able to be reissued uh, in the years since because they don't have the masters because Prince never gave them up or the artist formerly known as Prince never gave them up. So uh, for like a full year, Prince was like campaigning for this album to come out. He was writing Slave on his face. He was uh, releasing the songs as much as he could you know, in remixes and performing them live and these promo album, these promo singles and all of that, because he just really wanted to get the music out. And finally, 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 the album was out. Um, although fans would have preferred to get the May 1994 configuration of the album, which included Interactive, Acknowledge Me, and Rip Hop, The Zippa, the Gold Experience was still a pretty good release despite its being uh, diluted by its much delayed release. So the original version of the Gold Experience changed over time. Um, had Prince released it when he wanted to in the first place, it would have been a little different than the way it eventually was released. Songs were taken off, like Interactive was taken off, Acknowledge Me was taken off, Rip Hop Go to Zippa was taken off. Um, and this reminds me of the fact that Remember when I talked about in the Rebel Heart, the Madonna Rebel Heart um, episode, uh, fans heard all these amazing demos and we had an idea of what the album was going to sound like. And then when the album came out, it was diluted because songs were not on it and they were changed and it was still good, but it was like, eh, you know, fans had already had their heart set on something else. This is kind of the same sort of thing uh, back in the 90s. Now, none of the music leaked for the most part and it wasn't like this big scandal, but fans who heard who had gone to his shows or uh, heard him performing or, you know, playing some of this music on the radio or whatever, had an idea of what the album was going to sound like. And then when the album finally came out, it was different and, you know, it was good, but it still wasn't as as much as, as or as good as it could have been, which they, the fans had their hearts set on. Uh, with Prince already having promoted and toured in support of the album, like the year before, Fans already knew most of the songs on the album by heart. The title of Pussy Control had been changed to P Control to avoid controversy from retailer, retailers who may have refused to sell the album with the word pussy printed on the packaging. But the record's commercial performance still ended up being considered disastrous. Only 530,000 units were sold in the United States. So it went gold, uh, which is great, but for an artist like Prince, um, that that was seen as a failure. The album reached uh, number six on the pop chart and number two on the R&B chart. Um, and as I mentioned, Gold was released as a single on November 30th, 1995, but it only re reached number 88 on the pop chart and number 90, 92 on the R&B chart, which was, again, uh, kind of a failure for someone as big as Prince. But critics generally approved of the Gold Experience, calling it Prince's best album since Sign of the Times. So now we're up to February 14th, 1996, and the Gold Experience album, uh, album era continues. Uh, the artist formerly known as Prince and his girlfriend, Maite Garcia, got married. So UltimatePrince.com uh, published a really fantastic article. Uh, article about their wedding, and all this information comes from ultimateprince.com. At 37 years old, 
he married dancer Maita Garcia, who was only 22 years old, on February 14, 1996. The wedding took place in Minneapolis at the Park Avenue United Methodist Church, which Prince attended when he was younger. Both the bride and the groom wore white, and Prince had the back of his suit jacket embroidered with the love symbol, which was his name at the time, and Garcia's first initial. The couple did their best to keep the ceremony private. Prince even traveled to the church in the back of a van with flowers, but about 200 fans and multiple news crews hovered outside according to the Star Tribune, which managed to get a detailed scoop of the event. The church was full of orchids, gardenias, and roses, but not people. Only a small group attended. Among them were Prince's mother and stepfather, Maddie and Hayward Baker, and mother figure, Bernadette Anderson. Garcia's father, John, walked her down the aisle in his military uniform. Prince's father, John Nelson, was absent. Prince would later tell Oprah Winfrey that the two were estranged at the time. New Power Generation member Kirk Johnson was the best man and his brother, Reverend Keith Johnson, officiated. The ceremony was both traditional and eccentric. Music consisted of both the Lord's Prayer and Kama Sutra, which was a classical suite by Prince that was officially released a year later by the MPG Orchestra. There was a casting call for a whooping seven flower girls who participated in the wedding. The wedding program, titled Coincidence or Fate, also an NPG orchestra track, included a fantastical account of Prince and Garcia's love story. According to the tale, they were soulmates who devised a plan to recognize each other during their last lives on Earth. Prince included the program on his first official website, thedawn.com, which launched that day. Following the wedding, there was a private dinner at Paisley Park where the bride and the groom danced to friend, lover, sister, mother, wife. The song Let's Have a Baby was, was reserved for the wedding night. Both songs were included on Prince's 1996 album, Emancipation. Their honeymoon was in Hawaii, where they played three concerts. It ended up being the perfect honeymoon for us, Garcia wrote in her memoir, The Most Beautiful. Hard to imagine having more fun than we had when we were on stage together. So that's how Prince got married for the first time to Maita Garcia. On July 9th, 1996, Chaos and Disorder was released. It was the final Prince album for Warner Brothers until 2014. Chaos and Disorder uh, is the 18th studio album by American recording artist Prince, credited to the artist formerly known as Prince, uh, which was the second album to credit an album to the artist formerly known as Prince after The Gold Experience. The album reached number 26 in the United States, his poorest performance with an album of new material since his debut, and number 14 in the United Kingdom. Prince refused to promote the album, still engaged in his fight against his Warner Brothers contract, and it was released simply to fulfill his, con his contractual obligations. The inlay sleeve carries the message, quote, originally intended for private use only, this compilation serves as the last original material recorded by Love Symbol for Warner Brothers Records, May You Live to See the Dawn, while Prince insisted that the album was, quote, done very quickly and that they were, quote, seeing how fast and hard we could thrash it out. More, more than a third of the songs on the album date back to sessions for the gold experience and come. So Chaos and Disorder was a collection of songs that Prince just pulled out of the, the vault. Um, old songs, songs that were 
recorded during the Gold uh, Experience album recording sessions, the Come recording album recording sessions, and he just put them together, gave it to Warner's, had them release it to get out of his contract. So it's kind of unfortunate how that album was released because it kind of was like Prince just throwing away these songs just to get out of his contract when a lot of the music on it is really, really fantastic. And because some of it was intended for inclusion on the Gold Experience, um, I've included it in the playlist uh, for this podcast episode. And I'll talk about the songs when I get to that part of the discussion. So now we're up to January 29th, 1998. So this is the end of the Gold Experience album era. So it's three years later and we're still in the era. Crystal Ball was released. Uh, Crystal Ball was a box set that contains Crystal Ball, the 20th studio album by Prince the Artist, and it is a three disc set of previously bootlegged material, quote, together with a fourth disc containing The Truth, the album's called The Truth, which is the 21st studio album by Prince with 12 new acoustic songs. The box set was initially only available through direct orders by phone at 1-800-NEW-FUNK and the internet, and it was one of the first albums ever sold online. The direct order edition included a fifth disc, an instrumental studio album by the NPG Orchestra titled Kama Sutra, and this was a classical ballet that Prince composed for his wife on their for their wedding, as I just mentioned that they played a, a song of it at their wedding, and so the Crystal Ball was a five-disc box set which included uh, three albums of the Crystal Ball, The Truth, and Kama Sutra. Shipment of this limited five-disc CD started on January 29, 1998, approximately two months before the release of the four CD version was sold in retail stores on March 21, 1998. And I bought the five disc version. It comes in a plastic container that looks like a crystal ball. I still have it. It is one of my prized possessions. I love it. Um, and I ordered it from 1-800-NEW-FUNK. The box set includes four tracks originally intended for the Gold Experience, Acknowledge Me, Ripop Go to Zippa, Hide the Bone, and Days of Wild, the live version, as well as a remix of Love Sign, his duet with Nona Gay, which was originally on the 1-800-NEW-FUNK compilation album. Uh, the studio version of Interactive, without uh, the NPG operator segue, which is like in the middle of it, is also featured on the box set. So. The reason why um, I consider the Gold Experience album era to extend into 1998 with the release of Crystal Ball is because uh, all of these songs, Acknowledge Me, Repop Go to Zippa, Hide the Bone, Days of Wild, Interactive, and Love Sign are all from the Gold Experience album era, and they were finally released on this um, box set. So... <sighs> Take a breath, I know. It's a lot of information, and if you're still with me, I love you very much because there's still a lot more to talk about. Um, so that's the timeline of where um, the Gold Experience era started and kind of the high points that happened along the way. Um, I know some of it's a little confusing, so hopefully I was able to explain it or relay it in a somewhat understandable way context, or at least hopefully the timeline makes sense. 
Um, so the albums uh, that make up, the seven albums that make up this era, uh, 1-800-NEW-FUNK, Come, Exodus, The Versace Experience, The Gold Experience, Crystal Ball, and Chaos and Disorder. Um, sorry, Chris, uh, Chaos and Disorder and then Crystal Ball. So the chronological order of release of the songs um, is not how the songs are broken up on the playlist. Instead, I grouped the songs on the playlist um, by the release. So The Gold Experience, then Come, then Crystal Ball, then Chaos and Disorder, then The Versace Experience, one B-side, and then uh, The Gold Experience finale. So as you pre previously heard, uh, I played for you um, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, Interactive, um, and uh, Love Sign, and uh, the Exodus has begun. So those songs are not available on streaming, which is why I included them in the podcast episode, and I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, but now it's time to talk about the playlist that I have compiled for this episode. So let's talk about the music. Okay. So there are 30 tracks on this playlist, but five of them are very short NPG operator segues, which are fun, but don't really count as songs. So this playlist actually only features 25 songs. So let's talk about the songs. Track one is P Control, uh, originally known as Pussy Control from The Gold Experience. Uh, the first voice that we hear is Maita's voice speaking in Spanish. And in Spanish, she's saying, our presentation will begin shortly, but first, a message from our sponsors. Then the artist intros the song and then busts into a funky song story about a woman who has, quote, pussy control. This song is his very obvious stab at a feminist anthem. I loved it from the very first time I heard the song. I loved the cheekiness and the brashness of the lyrics and the title. I could also see how the song might be off-putting to critics or people who didn't understand what he was trying to convey with the song because he kept in the lyrics he refers to the pr protagonist as pussy. I met this girl named pussy, which is funny, uh, but I can see how that might be off-putting or offensive uh, to some listeners. Uh, but I got it from the start and I loved it immediately. This was the last true album from Prince that we got where his lyrics were explicit and sexy and as such, it was destined to be one of my favorite of his albums. Um, there's a line, um, and the moral this motherfucker is, ladies, make them act like they know you are, was, and always will be, pussy control. So he was not ashamed, he was not shy about swearing, and this song was proof that uh, that was what we were going to get from this album, from the start. He's singing about pussy control, and he's saying motherfucker, and all this other kind of stuff, so... Um, this was a very good sign of what kind of sexy cheekiness we were going to get from uh, the artist formerly known as Prince on this album. Uh, track two uh, is uh, NPG Operator number one from The Gold Experience. This is our first message from the NPG Operator. It's our first taste of the theme of the operator on the album. She is made to sound like you're accessing the album via computer or CD-ROM. You can hear keyboards clacking um, during some of her segues. 
And this was years before the idea of accessing music from the internet via computers was commonplace and was very novel and, and a very exciting motif to me. So the idea that you could you know, access music on the internet, the internet was so brand new at this time. This was like years before iTunes or Spotify. Um, so, you know, this idea of a computerized voice saying you have access the beautiful experience, you have access, blah, 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 was very, very fun and cool to me. Um, and uh, I, I love the NPG operator segues. I know some people don't love them, but this album taken in some from beginning to end with the segues and, and it tells a story. And I think it's just perfection. I love it. Track three is Endorphin Machine from The Gold Experience. Um, this was the official release of the song that I first heard on the interactive CD-ROM the year before. Um, and immediately when uh, the album came out, I was super bummed that Interactive wasn't included on the album. Uh, but I had the song on the CD-ROM, and then um, the song would eventually be released on Crystal Ball years later. But... Um, I was sure, considering how interactive and uh, computer-oriented the song is, that it would be included on the Gold Experience. So while I was bummed that Interactive wasn't included on the album, I was very, very excited that Endorphin Machine was included on the album. Uh, this was another song that I loved immediately because it was the prize that you got for winning the interactive CD-ROM video game. So once you find all the pieces to the print symbol in the video game, you unlock uh, the prize, and the prize is was the very first uh, time we ever got to hear Endorphin Machine, and there was a music video for it, and I was like, oh my god, I love this song! And then finally getting to have the song released was uh, very, very exciting for me. Um, I always thought that the title Endorphin Machine was a brilliantly inspired Prince title, and uh, I have discovered that the album was tracked on the same day that the song Come and Dolphin were recorded in the studio. And at the end of the song, we hear Maita speak in Spanish again. And in Spanish, she is saying, Prince is dead. Prince is dead. Long live the new power generation. So again, the theme of Prince is gone. From here on forward, he is this unpronounceable symbol, love symbol, the artist formerly known as Prince. Uh, and then one more thing, uh, during the Ultimate Live Experience Tour in Europe, the stage set looked like um, female and male genitalia. So looking at the stage, on the left side, uh, that part of the stage was supposed to look like a vagina, and the right part of the stage was supposed to look phallic like a penis. Um, and that whole stage was uh, called the endorphin machine. So. That's another uh, reason why I think that the song and the title are, are just genius. So track four is Shh uh, from The Gold Experience. This is a slow, sexy jam that was written for and released by Tevin Campbell previously. Uh, but the artist decided he wanted to record it for his own use on The Gold Experience. As a ballad, it didn't immediately grab me, but when you're on, on a Prince vibe, you kind of just go with it. Uh, the lyrics are sexy, uh, but the notable part for me are the drum fills and solos by Michael B. and the scorching guitar solo by the artist. 
he made this song his own after having given it to Tamble, uh, Tevin Campbell. And I understand that Tevin was not happy about the fact that Prince took his song back, re-recorded it, and made it even better. Um, this song was tracked on the same day as I Hate You and Days of Wild. Uh, truth be told, I, I'm i pretty sure I've heard the Tevin Campbell version once or twice, but I couldn't even tell you, honestly. Like, it's, it's not that it's forgettable, it's just Tevin Campbell was uh, never really on my radar, in spite of the fact that he worked with Prince on Graffiti Bridge and his own album. Round and Round is a pretty decent single that he wrote, uh, that Prince wrote for Tevin Campbell. But um, so Tevin Campbell's version of Shh is a song that I don't know. I only know Prince's version. And for me, it is the only version. Uh, track five is We March uh, on the Gold Experience. Uh, again, the song starts with Maita in Spanish saying all for one and one for all. This song features uh, vocals by Nona Gay, the daughter of Marvin Gay, who sang uh, with Prince on Love Sign on the 1-800 New Funk compilation. Uh, and it's one of the many racial justice songs that Prince would record as his career unfolded. In, uh, in more recent times before Prince's passing, he recorded a song called Baltimore in support of the city of Baltimore when they were going through police brutality protests and all of that. So Prince has always been um, really free with wanting to release uh, social justice songs. And We March is is one of those songs uh, as featured on The Gold Experience with lyrics like, quote, we ain't got time for excuses. The promised land belongs to all. We can march in peace, but you best watch your back if another leader falls. Like Prince was definitely not having the bullshit from uh, police brutality and racial injustice back in the 90s. And as you can, as you are well aware now, these are problems that we are still dealing with, you know, well into the 2000s, into the 2020s. Um, it's clear that the artist is saying enough is enough. It's time to fight back, to march for what's right. A message that resonates today as I am reminded of the Black Lives Matter protest marches that exploded all around the country last summer. Honestly, I don't think that Prince gets enough credit for all of the social justice songs that he's written and released uh, over the course of his career. Um, so that's why um, I'm very excited to talk about this one and another song to come, which are uh, very powerful, extremely well-written songs that have a racial justice uh, 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 message to them. Uh, so being able to talk about them, hopefully uh, these are songs that um, that you enjoy and that you, you take to heart and you will share with people as well. So yeah. Okay, track six is Dolphin from The Gold Experience. Uh, this is the first of two really searingly beautiful ballads that I loved instantly upon first hearing. Um, I have always loved the lines, quote, you can cut off all my fins, but to your ways, I will not bend. I'll die before I let you tell me how to swim, and I'll come back again as a dolphin. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, the video for the song was released and promoted as a single from The Gold Experience a full year before the album was released. And it was actually the first video broadcast on the launch of VH1 in Europe. It's a simple video of the artist playing his uh, love symbol shaped guitar on a bed with the new power generation behind him. 
the first thing you see is a close-up shot of uh, his cheek with the word slave written on it. Uh, the song was tracked on the same day as Endorphin Machine and was originally intended for a release on Come, but then it was eventually released on the Gold Experience instead. I mean, again, not a big ballads person, but this one I really, really love. Love this a lot. This and um, the other searing ballad on this album that I love so much are two of my favorite ballads two of my favorite Prince songs and um, I just can't hear the song without having that special feeling in my chest when a song really really speaks to you and you just know that it's just so fucking good this is one of those songs to me love uh, track seven is NPG operator number three uh, on the Gold Experience album. So this operator message is meant to be played directly in front of the song Now and mentions earlier print songs uh, Irresistible Bitch, Housequake, and Sexy MF as a way of letting the listener know that, that Now is a slamming bop like those other songs. Uh, the end of the message clearly, cleverly states, but that was then. This is, and it goes immediately into track eight, now on the gold experience as promised now is a massive party song like the songs mentioned in the operator segue in addition to the copious amounts of swearing on this album this song makes direct mention of drug use when the line is delivered light light up another one dude at the start of the song like it's very interesting to hear prince make reference to not only explicit words like fuck uh, but um, to hear him sing about drug use, considering, um, you know, his eventual religious con conversion to Jehovah's Witness and all of that. So, uh, again, what I love about this album is it is the last album we really got from Prince where he was um, completely uncensored, uh, raw, sexy, dirty, and, you know singing about drugs too. Uh, later, he likens his band to a drug the listeners can smoke. Uh, the lines go, fill us with the dope track, lick us, twist us, roll us in your mouth, light us up and take a hit, light us up and take a hit, mm, suck us till we're dry, and when we're looking like a roach, hit the lights. Before you say goodnight though, let's make a toast, yo. So again, he's likening his group, the New Power Generation, to like a joint that you can roll up smoke and get high from, which I mean, it's true. It's true. Music should be like that. Music should be like a drug. It should be like something that makes you feel otherworldly or makes you feel euphoric. And I think that that's what he's singing about when he sings these lyrics in this this massive banger 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 song um you'll note that also in the lyrics uh he sings one two one two ninety four he's referencing the year 1994 which is when the song was supposed to originally be released um back when it was supposed to be released alongside come so come and the gold experience was supposed to come out at the same time and compete with one another so the lyrics for this song reference the year 1994 which at the time was like cool because it was happening in the moment. But now when you hear it all these years later, obviously it sounds dated because it's stuck in 1994. I mean, it's still like a massively 
uh, brilliant dance track though. Um, again, this song is a big party dance song and uh, lyrics continue. This ain't about this y'all, this ain't about that, this ain't about the booty moving, pumping the max, this ain't about this, that, what, where, how, this is about the freaks doing everything they want to do now. Like that is my terrible recitation of these lyrics, but when you hear the song uh, and you learn the lyrics, you sing along to them and you are just, oh my God, like you're just like, you lose your shit. Like literally this is one of those songs where you can just freak out on the dance floor. Um, I have been able to, I've been lucky to hear this song played at Prince parties that I've been to. And 100%, if this song comes on at a Prince party, I'm dropping what I'm doing and I'm running my ass to the dance floor and I am dancing my ass off to this song. Um, this song was always intended for inclusion on the Gold Experience um, and uh, alongside Days of Wild, but eventually Days of Wild got cut, but now... Um, made the cut and is featured on the album. Track nine is NPG operator number four. This segue reuses audio from the beautiful segue. Now, as I mentioned, the most beautiful girl in the world is featured on the album, but because of that lawsuit in Italy, it has been taken off streaming platforms all around the country, including here in the United States. So the most beautiful girl in the world is not, uh, I can't, feature it on this playlist, which is why I played it earlier in full. But the song had a segue with it where the NBG operator says, you've just accessed the beautiful experience. This segue operator, uh, NPG operator number four, reuses audio from the beautiful segue um, and is a remix of sorts, which leads to the next song, which is 319. In this segue, the artist is heard calling the occupant of hotel room 319, at the end of the segue and then we get to track 10 which is 319 which is featured on the gold experience uh and the song starts and the occupant the occupant of the room is heard on the phone saying or she, she opens the door and she goes about time come in as she lets the artist into her room and the story begins the artist is a photographer who is there to photograph the occupant and the innuendos start flying. This is a sexy, silly song that I love, love, loved immediately as soon as I heard it. Um, so some of the lyrics are, my camera's gonna get you when you get it good and wet. You ought to let them come and pet you so it lasts, baby. I wanna, ho I just wanna holler, scream and shout when you let your fingers do the walking in and out and all about 319. Ooh, baby, how'd you get your legs to do that? Ooh shit <laughs> again my recitation is terrible but the song is brilliant sexy fun it's insane to deny that this song is a very fun dirty song it's a song that i have always wanted to hear live or i always request it being played at a club when i'm ever at a prince dance party uh this song and another song that i'll mention in a few uh was featured in the movie showgirls the 1995 movie showgirls um and that movie also featured a susan the banshee song which means i mean i loved showgirls for all the wrong reasons all the right reasons i mean it's a terrible movie the first rated x movie in the united states or nc-17 movie the first NC-17 movie released in the United States, and it's terrible, but it's become a cult classic, and Showgirls is amazing, partly because it features two Prince songs and a Susan the Banshee song. 
Um, and 319 is one of the songs that is featured in the movie. Um, the song was tracked back in 1993 and was reportedly inspired by actress Elizabeth Berkley, who stars in Showgirls. So apparently the character, the woman in the hotel room 319, is Elizabeth characters, Elizabeth Berkley's character from Showgirls, Nomi Malone. According to PrinceVault.com, uh, this operator segue was the first of all of them recorded. So uh, this was the first segue that was recorded and is the the seed that probably gave Prince the idea to to keep going on with this operator segue motif for the full album. Um, so the original version of the song has the segue included in the song. And when taken in sum, the song play time is 319 exactly so again 319 uh honestly i'm always surprised when i hear that people don't like the song for whatever reason um because i just don't understand it it is classic sexy funny dirty prince it's very danceable and um again this is a song that i have danced to at, at prince dance parties uh that i've attended and you know now and 319 two of my favorite favorite songs to dance to from the gold experience uh yeah i love the song okay track 11 is npg operator number five from the gold experience this segue sounds like the computer operator is glitching with her repeating please access another experience please access another experience which all plays with the overall story that is being told by this album but then the listener is left to wonder, why is the computer glitching? Did it get wet? Did it get wet from sweat or something else? I don't know. Uh, track 12 is Shy from The Gold Experience. This song is cool, slow, and funky with amazing bass lines. Uh, but it always confused me. It seems so out of place on this album story-wise, but definitely not vibe-wise. Like the music and the vibe definitely makes it uh, feel that it should be part of the gold experience. But the song is is the story. I don't know. Just it just feels out of place uh, in 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 the context of the story that's being told on the whole album. The woman in the song, I guess her name is Shy, is like temptation embodied. Is she a murderer, an assassin? Is she real or just imagined? Uh, she, you know, she's described as having cool dark skin in hot virgin white. Lips say won't, but her body say might. I mean, that's that's a brilliant Prince lyric. Um, I understand that while most of the songs in this album were performed live when Prince was touring to try and get this album released to promote this album. This song has only been reportedly performed once at a concert at Paisley Park. Uh, so whatever that says to you, I don't know. But of all the songs on this album that Prince played over and over and over again, he was just dying for people to hear them. This song was only performed live once. Uh, and then it was included on this album. It wasn't a single, so I don't know. I don't dislike the song. I actually like it when I hear it, uh, when I listen to this album. But it's not really a song that I think about otherwise. Uh, this song was tracked on the same day that Now and Repop Go to Zippa were. Track 13, a very interesting song, Billy Jack Bitch from The Gold Experience. This song features uncredited background vocals by Lenny Kravitz and features a sample of Lion Ass Bitch by Fishbone. 
This song grabbed me immediately. I love when the artist sings diss tracks, like uh, the song Bob George on the Black Album, which is one of his most famous diss tracks. Uh, the track is designed as retaliation against Minneapolis gossip colonist CJ. Her name was Cheryl Johnson, but she went by her initial CJ, who regularly wrote negative articles about Prince. Uh, now, I want to state for the record that I'm not a fan of referring to women as bitches, uh, and, the, and, and the artist is probably wrong for doing so. But in my humble opinion, he treated everyone the same, men and women. And if he had a strong, if he had strong feelings about someone, he wasn't going to let their gender stop him from saying what he wanted to say, deserved or not. So take it, take that as you will. In the lyrics, he's giving the critic back what she gave him. Uh, one of the lines is, if I called you silly names, just like the ones you call me, uh, because CJ used to disparage the artist by calling him Cymbalina as a way to diminish and embarrass him after he changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol. Uh, he he even blatantly mentions her initials in the song, CJ. Uh, she loved that she inspired the song from him. After his death, she wrote, quote, It is my favorite Prince song, although lyrically not nearly as poetic as some of his best. The beat, however, is killer. It's my understanding that this woman relished being the fly in his ointment and loved being compa combative. Uh, she sounds like a jerk to me. Uh, she loves that Prince even paid her any attention. So in my opinion, no harm, no foul. Uh, she should be honored that Prince, you know, wrote a song about her. Um, and, you know, you know, calling it, referring to her as Billy Jack bitch might seem like, you know, disparaging, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if you hear the song, it's a great song. Um, uh, it's just a funky song. The music is fantastic. And it's a Prince diss track. So, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna have some disparaging, you know, lyrics in it. Uh, the NPG operator chimes in at the end of the song saying, please access another experience. And the last words spoken are yell some tight motherfuckers, which are referring to the NPG horn horns players who are featured in the song. Like the song is fantastic. Um, as I'm sure you do with all of my playlists, when you listen to this song in the playlist, you'll hear uh, it's really a fantastic song and the horns are spectacular. Track 14 is I Hate You from The Gold Experience. This song starts with an NPG operator segue in the song, alerting the listener that you've just accessed the hate experience. Do you wish to change your entry? And then you hear a button pressed in the affirmative and then the operator replies, very well, please enjoy your experience. This song I love. It's easy to think that you know what the song is about from the title, I Hate You, um, but the fact that I think that it's a love song is just brilliant. You see, he hates this woman because he loves her so much after she cheated on him. This song, is a, this song has a fun little courtroom scenario in the middle where he asks the defendant to state her name and then he says, never mind. And then they play a sample, Billy Jack bitch, which you know shows that he's like angry at her. Uh, the defendant is charged with quote, one too many counts of heartbreaking in the first degree. Uh, in the course of this court hearing, uh, he introduces evidence by having sex with a defendant in the courtroom <laughs> to prove his case. Uh, and in in order to make her fall back in love with him. I mean, I just love this song. 
entirely. It's a great track with humor and drama, a killer guitar solo near the end. It is expertly performed and presented. It's one of my favorites from the album. Uh, and, it, you know, this whole courtroom thing might sound familiar, uh, confusing if you're not familiar with the song, but listen to the song. It, it'll make sense, I promise you. I Hate You was released two weeks before The Goal Experience was released in September 1995 as the album's first single, in spite of the fact that The Most Beautiful Girl in the World was released a year beforehand, and the Dolphin music video was also released the year beforehand. So The Most Beautiful Girl in the World was the first song that was technically, technically released from this album, and then Dolphin was released as a music video but the first official single, in air quotes, was I Hate You, and it came out two weeks before the album was released. Um, the song was released on a maxi single with a few remixes. I own the maxi single, and I have it like right here next to me right now. Uh, and uh, I just bought everything that came out uh, on CD back in the day. I wasn't really into collecting vinyl yet, so... Uh, so I don't have a lot of vinyl singles from this uh, this time, this era. But um, the singles, the CD singles, I bought them all. And I have them, and I love them. Okay, track 15 is Come. So this is the first song from the album Come, which, as you remember, was supposed to be released at the same time as The Gold Experience. So that's why I include Come in the um, Gold Experience album era. So the title track, uh, uh, do, 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 uh, Come is the title track of the album, um, and it was intended to be released uh, by Prince alongside the Gold album, or Experience, which was meant to be released by the artist. The sexual innuendo of Come was never lost on me, I mean it's so obvious, uh, but the lyrics are undeniable. When I suck you there, I don't want to hear you scream. Don't talk or breathe. Don't cough or sneeze. Just dream, dream, dream. Baby, my tongue's going to do things that you've never seen. Can I suck you, baby? Can I fuck you, baby? I want to suck you, baby. So, yeah, pretty explicit, very sexual. And the lyrics go on from there. Sexy, nasty prince at his best. Um, I like this album and the song in particular, even though the swinging jazzy song wasn't or isn't really my thing. Um, Come was included in that failed Prince musical stage show, Glam Slam Ulysses, that I mentioned earlier, and it was supposed to be featured in a segment titled The Trojan Horse. Um, the original incarnation of the Gold album was intended to be a three-disc album titled The Dawn, and Come was originally intended for inclusion on that, but, you know, never came to be, and we eventually got the gold experience. And then I mentioned the whole Dawn thing earlier, which you can download, and again, it's too complicated, and it's a conversation for another time. Um, but I, I want to state again that The Dawn is one of my favorite Prince releases. Uh, and while all the songs from Come, Versace Experience, Gold Experience, Crystal Ball, and Chaos and Disorder make up uh, the Gold Experience era, had the Dawn been released as Prince originally intended, that would have superseded all of this as the master album, which includes all of these songs that I'm talking about. But he decided to go a different route. So instead of talking about one album, the Dawn, we're talking about this Gold Experience era, 
which spans seven albums um, over six years. Okay. Um, track 16 is Space, also from the Come album. This was the second single from Come. Uh, this was also included in Glam Slam Ulysses in the Sirens segment. Um, I also bought the CD single with remixes. It's a decent song, but it's a bit slow for me. I love the drum track, which feels very 90s R&B pop to me. It's another very sexual song, but not as explicit and nasty. Uh, lyrics like, I've never been one for this thing obsession. I just keep your eye on my hips. The circles, they may be my confession. I just say the word and I'll just say the word and I'll strip. I've had dreams of us cuddling on the planet Mars. When I wake up, I'm all covered in sex. Hmm. Sexy, but not super explicit. Uh, it's classic, sexy 90s prints, and I loved it. And I missed it for many, many years after he had his religious conversion. Like, these are the songs that I was missing when he was... When he decided that he was no longer going to sing, you know, curse words, and he was never going to sing sex songs and all that in the, you know early 2000s of his career. Okay, let's continue. Track 17 is Pheromone from the Come album, another song featured in Glam Slam Ulysses. Uh, and it starts out with spoken, spoken words by Prince where he says, lie down beneath my shadow, lie down beneath my shadow with great delight and your feel will be sweet to me. My left hand under your head while my right embraces time, therein my virgin loves wine. It's my understanding that that's taken from the Bible or something, or it's at least referencing a, uh, a Bible verse from Song of Solomon or something like that. Uh, and then the beat kicks in and the song picks up as a much funkier dance track. Prince singing in falsetto. The chorus is catchy and it's a great highlight on the album. Uh, when asked at the time, Prince revealed that Carmen Electra was the inspiration for this song. Interesting. Track 18 is Let It Go from Come. This was the first single from Come, and it's probably my favorite track on the album. It's a funky, swinging, poppy song that grabbed me at first listen. The song is credited to Prince, as is the entire Come album, but the song was recorded eight months after he changed his name to the artist formerly known as Prince, the unpronounceable symbol. The opening line, ready or not, here I come, is a sample from the unreleased Vanity Six song, Vibrator, which is a fantastic song. I have a lot of the uh, unreleased Vanity Six songs that have been bootlegged over the years, and Vibrator is one of my favorites. So when I heard this sample, I was like, oh my God, like that's from, from Vanity Six. Uh, so like, like big, big Prince fans will know that. Um, the story is just, you know, catchy. I remember really, uh, the song is, is it's, it's just, I remember really vibing to it when it was released, but I was like young, I was like a teenager, so whatever vibing means, but Let It Go is very, gotta let it go. It's a very like chill song. So uh, it's slower than I usually like in songs, but this one I really, really do like. Track 19 is interactive. And we are now in the songs that are featured on the Crystal Ball soundtrack, uh, the Crystal Ball box set. Um, I already talked about Interactive, the CD-ROM, and we heard the full version of the song from the CD-ROM, but this is the studio version that was included on Crystal Ball. Interactive was probably the first song that I really loved from this era. I was so enamored of the CD-ROM and the novelty of the game 
uh, that I was hooked from the start. I loved that you can put the CD-ROM in a regular CD player and hear this song. Uh, it felt like a secret that only I and a few savvy Prince fans with home computers got to enjoy, which was a very exclusive club at the time because, you know, home computers were, you know, desktop computers were not really prevalent in the early 90s. The whole computer slash internet aspect of the CD-ROM was so fresh and novel and new, and I was just a sucker for it all. Uh, the version of the song on the CD-ROM includes the, the NPG operator segue inside the song, but this version from Crystal Ball uh, does not. Um, this song was also included in Glam Slam Ulysses in the, the Cyclops segment. It was also originally intended for Come, but was taken off as well as an earlier configuration of the gold experience of the gold album, but again was taken off. So it was it was it was used in this musical that you know was a failure. Then it uh, I'll talk about that in one second. So, and then it was you know supposed to be on Come, and then it got pulled, and then it was supposed to be on the gold album, and then it got pulled, and it eventually was it probably got pulled because the name of the CD-ROM was interactive, and they decided like obviously it should be on interactive, so. Uh, before the crystal ball came out, um, the only way you could hear the song was on the CD-ROM. So then all these years later, when crystal ball came out, it was finally included the studio version without the NPG operator segue. And that is what I have included on the playlist here. So in this podcast episode earlier, you heard the CD-ROM version. And then now on the playlist, you can hear the studio version. And then just one last thing about the, um, uh, the Ulysses, the, the Glam Slam Ulysses musical. It was intended to be like this musical show. And as I understand it, it was performed for like two weeks at Glam Slam here, at, when Glam Slam, the nightclub here in Hollywood, when Prince had a club here in Hollywood, Los Angeles. It was staged for two weeks, and I guess it just didn't do well enough for them to continue doing it. So I say it's failed and it's a failure because it never really took off, but it was performed for like two weeks. So people who lived here in Los Angeles got to see it back then. And I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. So yeah, one of those things that just was not meant to be for uh, the Prince fans who were not living near him. Just like uh, I never got to see him perform a concert at Paisley Park because I when I was younger, I couldn't just fly up to Minneapolis to see him play in, in, in Paisley Park. So uh, Glam Slam Ulysses is just one of those things that I'll have to covet from afar, wishing that I got to see it live. Okay, let's continue. Track 20 is Acknowledge Me uh, on Crystal Ball. This song was originally intended for the Gold Experience album, but was eventually replaced by Shh. A version of the song was recorded by the New Power Generation with vocals by Sonny T for inclusion on their album Exodus, along with another as yet unreleased song titled Slave to the System, but was eventually pulled. This song is interesting because it's, it's about the artist trying to get a woman to pay attention to him. He sings, acknowledge me, don't dog me anymore. I was here in the beginning and I'll be here forevermore. Acknowledge me, I only want to be your friend. I can make you happy, baby, over and over again. It's rare to hear the artist be so vulnerable and essentially begging for this woman to love him or at least pay, give him the time of day. Um, the song was track 
tracked alongside gold 319 billy jack bitch chaos and disorder and right the wrong so as, as i mentioned it was originally intended for the gold album then a version of it was reported uh, with sunny t singing the lead vocal for exodus the npg album but then it got pulled from that and then um it went back in the vaults until it was included on crystal ball uh in 98. Okay, track 21 is Love Sign, Shock G's Silky Remix from Crystal Ball. Again, uh, you know, I already talked about the fact that Love Sign is a social justice song. It's about, it's an anti-gun song. And I'm going to explain a little bit what the love sign is. So, you know, when you hold your, your hand, your fingers up as a gun, if you, if you, point a gun at someone you're pointing your fingers at them but then if you hold your hand up it looks like an l that's the love sign so in the song prince is saying turn your guns into a love sign like no guns make love like that's what he's going for with this song um nona gay sings the co-lead vocal the original version of the song was released on 1-800 new funk and we already heard it in full earlier in this episode um, in 1995, the artist told Q Magazine, quote, I said, okay, listen, there are people shooting and killing each other in the hood, and I think I can do something about it and put some money in, and maybe that would be more important than what's on your billboard chart this week. They, Warner Brothers, said no. So in response to the fact that he wanted to release this song as a single and he wanted to uh, promote it, Warner Brothers wouldn't let him. In his opinion, it was a song, an anti-gun song that he thought that he could raise awareness and he was interested in uh, releasing the song with the message and Warners was like, no, you can't release this song because you're flooding the market, blah, blah, blah. So that's what he's talking about in this in this uh, interview with Q Magazine. Um, the remix on this playlist was intended for uh, the Love Sign single that was never released. Um, I love this song. As I mentioned, it's my favorite on 1-800 New Funk. And uh, I much prefer the original version to this remix. Uh, the video for this song is, again, it's an anti-gun video with Nona Gay playing an assassin meant to, quote unquote, take out the artist. She has like a gun. She's going to go assassinate him. And then he wins her over by flashing the love sign at her. And then at the end, she decides to not assassinate him and then she decides to get rid of her gun you have to watch the music video so i'm going to put together a youtube playlist of all the videos from uh this album and this the gold experience album era so uh after you listen to the playlist uh go check out the video playlist and you have to see the video for love sign to to get the full understanding of this anti-gun message that prince and nona gay were going for back in, in the mid 90s uh, this song and We March are the only songs by Nona Gay that I know of. Uh, and I always assumed that she was meant to be one of his protégés, like Carmen Electra. Uh, but I think the artist's relationship with Maita ended up, uh, ended all, ended up ending all of the protégé stuff from the mid-90s. So Carmen Electra kind of got dumped and Nona Gay kind of got dumped and, um, his his focus was solely on Maita and then their relationship and then they got married and all of that so um were it not for his relationship with Maita Garcia who knows he might have done more music with Nona Gay okay track 22 is Days of Wild the live version on Crystal Ball 
this is probably one of my all-time favorite Prince artist songs, which has remained almost entirely unreleased, except for this live version that was released and is available on streaming on Crystal Ball. The studio version was originally intended for the Gold Experience album, but was eventually cut from the album. Um, uh, what, and what can I say? Like, I love, love, love this song. Uh, Prince, is, the artist, is swearing up a storm. The song is funky as hell. It's as good as Housequake or any of his massive big party banger songs. And the lyrics of the song are killer. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's just like a banger banger song i love 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 this live version features the artist talking to the audience at paisley park where the song was recorded live and he leads them in a in a chant of free the slave and then um and then it morphed into play that motherfucking bass so the chant goes free the slave play that motherfucking bass free the slave play that motherfucking bass like that's what the audience is singing back to him uh as as the song plays and it's just ugh, it's such a great song like it's kind of hard for live songs to really capture the spirit of being there but i really feel like this live version of days of wild does a really really good job of making the listener feel like they're in the room where the song is being performed live especially when you take in the whole chant at the end i mean it's just really 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 great um so you know will the will the, the studio version ever be released who knows the prince estate is releasing songs from the vault so maybe someday um but until then we only have this live version to enjoy uh but it's pretty damn good and that's why it's here on this playlist track 23 is hide the bone from crystal ball it's a funky driving song that was recorded during the same sessions that yielded the come album and the gold experience album songs uh, the liner notes state that it was recorded by the npg so it's possible that it was also meant for the exodus album uh this one's a little swangin for my taste you know i mean i like it but it's not necessarily a favorite or a song that I think about a lot outside of when I listen to Crystal Ball. Uh, Hide the Bone is definitely a sexy song, and I think it's clear that we know what he's singing about when he wants to hide the bone. So um, again, it's just a, this is another example of the sexy, raw, fun music that Prince was uh, recording in the mid-90s during the Gold Experience uh, album era. Track 14 is Repop Go to Zippa from Crystal Ball. This is the other song that was featured in Showgirls uh, along with 319. And it's featured in a very important scene in the movie where uh, Elizabeth Berkley's character, Nomi Malone, is getting a dance lesson from her quote unquote teacher, actor Glenn Plummer, who plays James Smith in the movie. If, you, if you've seen Showgirls, you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're having a dance lesson and she's grinding up on him and um yeah it's a it's a very sexual scene and this is the song that's playing during that scene um honestly i don't love the song i mean i definitely appreciate its importance uh, i think the reggae feel just doesn't really work for me uh it was tracked on the first day that songs were tracked for the gold experience album along with now and shy uh, it was listed on an earlier on an early track listing configuration of the Gold Experience, but was eventually cut and then likely given to Showgirls. 
Back on February 12th, 1995, it was confirmed that there would be print songs in the Paul Verhoeven-directed film Showgirls, uh, which was released on MGM uh, by MGM Movie Studio in September of 95. Uh, it was reported that Prince had contributed four songs to the project, but in the end, only two appeared in the film, 319, and this one, Repopco to Zippa. And Warner Brothers only granted a license to use the songs in the film. They could not be featured on the soundtrack album. But eventually, uh, Prince, the artist, decided to release it on uh, Crystal Ball on this box set. Track 25 is Chaos and Disorder. So this song, now we've moved into the songs from Chaos and Disorder, that album. This is the title track from the album. Rosie Gaines sings vocals on the song, and you might remember that Rosie Gaines was his female vocalist during the Diamonds and Pearls era. So it was a nice treat to have Rosie Gaines uh, on this song when Chaos and Disorder came out, uh, but it feels more like a holdover from the Diamonds and Pearls era. Although I suppose it's likely that um, it was still possible that Prince was, uh, when he was coming up with the songs and the ideas for his next album, maybe she was going to be included. So I think that this just proves that it's an older song from, you know, he was still collaborating with Rosie Gaines. And then ultimately he decided to go into a different, a different route and then not include her. But this song was recorded and tracked for possible inclusion on the gold experience, which is why I think it's still part of the era. And I'm, I'm very grateful that it was finally released when Chaos and Disorder was uh, eventually released. Um, as I mentioned, in order to finish his contract with Warner Brothers, the artist gave the label a collection of songs from the vault to comprise an album that he wanted no association with. Uh, it's unfortunate because this song and another song, Right the Wrong, kind of got quote unquote thrown away on this album. The lyrics of the song are fantastic. He sings about the state of the world at the time, and it's it's very timely, uh, but not necessarily dated per se. So Chaos and Disorder speak, spoke to the state of the world at the time it was recorded and um, is, is a fantastic song. Uh, I really didn't pay attention to it when it came out. Uh, he was promoting uh, his album Emancipation, and that's where my focus was. I was seeing him on the Jam of the World tour, so my focus on Prince music was all on that. And then this album came out and I bought it, but I didn't really pay attention to it because Prince was ignoring it, so I think I was ignoring it too. But over the years, I've come to realize it's really, really great music on that album, primarily because some of it was meant to be included, or it was at least recorded during the time that the other songs from The Gold Experience and Come were uh, recorded. So Chaos and Disorder, and then track 26 is Right the Wrong, another song from Chaos and Disorder. And to be honest, this isn't a song that I know well. Um, it's not one that resonate, resonated with me when Chaos and Disorder came out. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's an album I really didn't pay attention to when it came out. Um, and it's uh, only a song that I returned to recently when I uh, started to prepare for this episode. Uh, I was doing research on the Gold Experience era, and I learned that Right the Wrong was originally in, recorded for the Gold album. Uh, it was tracked along with Gold, 319, and Chaos and Disorder. And I'm actually very embarrassed to say that I haven't paid close attention at all to the song before. 
now that I'm paying attention to the song and the lyrics, I mean, I am amazed at how powerful this song is. This is another one of Prince's social justice songs, which is why I am really horrified that I haven't been paying attention or I wasn't really aware of how important this song uh, is up until, you know, very recently. Here are some of the lyrics from the song. An Indian woman buried her grandpa in the Black Hills. When she was young, he used to tell her that these hills belonged to her still. And even though injustice took them hills away, one day we'll get them back, he said, and the sun's going to shine that day. When we say right the wrong. Before she laid him down to rest, she heard his voice in the wilderness saying, I got six feet of it back and now we can right the wrong. Did you hear the one about the boy just 17? Three years hard time for stealing ice cream. First offense and all his dreams are gone. How long before they right the wrong? I mean, I mean, those lyrics alone say it, but you have to hear this song to really understand the power of what he was singing about, you know, in, in the early 90s about um, racial injustice and uh, police injustice. And again, I just feel like Prince doesn't really get enough credit for the social justice songs that he has written and released, uh, primarily because, you know, they really weren't promoted. And I'm proof that I'm a, I consider myself a very big Prince fan. For sure, there are bigger Prince fans, and I'm sure there are Prince fans who are have been well aware of this song before, you know, me. But the fact that a, a, a fairly big Prince fan like me wasn't paying attention to this song or this album and really wasn't aware of it until recently is really, really a shame. Uh, and, and, and there's just plenty of blame to go all, all around. For sure, me for not paying attention, but also for the fact that the song was thrown onto uh, an album that was not really promoted by Prince. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was just a con contractual obligation that he wanted to get out of the way. And it's just, it's just really unfortunate all the way around because this song is hugely, hugely important. Um, I mean, I do love Prince for his fun boppy songs, but these songs with strong messages are so important and integral not only to his catalog, but to modern popular culture as well. It's really a crime that this powerful song is relegated to an album that the artist didn't care about and treated it as if it was garbage to discard. So, yeah. Okay, um, track 17 is Get Wild in the House. This song is from the Versace Experience, Prelude to Gold. This song is an edit reconfiguration of the song Get Wild from the NPG album Exodus, which was originally tracked with songs like Slave to the System. The original version was also featured on uh, the soundtrack for the 1994 movie Pret-a-Porter, uh, this edit remix is a much more upbeat version of the song. It opens with a female voice speaking Spanish, but I don't think it's Maita Garcia. Uh, I would have loved to included the original version of the song in the playlist, but it is unavailable on streaming. Uh, none of the NPG albums are available on Spotify. I believe they are available on Tidal, though. Uh, the, the music streaming service Tidal. I believe they have uh, the NPG albums. So if you have title, you can hear Exodus there, I believe. Or you can, you know, find a used copy of the CD if you want to hear um, this, this uh, the original version of this song. Uh, 
but uh, Get Wild in the House is a reconfigured edit of the song that gives you a taste of the song. Uh, and it's featured on the Versace Experience, Prelude to Gold. And as such, it's part of the Gold Experience album era. And because the Versace Experience is available on streaming, I'm able to include it on the playlist here. Okay, continuing on. We're almost to the end of this playlist. Uh, track 28 is Rock and Roll is Alive and It Lives in Minneapolis. And this was uh, this is a B-side to the Gold single. Uh, this was released, Gold was released as the second single, the second and final single from the Gold Experience. This song was tracked in 1995, so it's probably the newest song from the Gold Experience era. And for sure, it's the newest in terms of this track list and discussion. It was tracked on the same day that I Hate You was released as the first single from the Gold Experience. Uh, Theprincevault.com offers this information. The song was, reco was recorded in direct response to Lenny Kravitz's song Rock and Roll is Dead from the 1995 album Circus, which had just which had just been released. The artist included the message, thanks Lenny, call me in Minneapolis, in the lyric sheet since Kravitz inspired the song. So, you know, Lenny Kravitz released the song called Rock and Roll is Dead, and then in response, the artist recorded a song called Rock and Roll is Alive, and it lives in Minneapolis. And then eventually the song was used as a B-side for the gold single. This song is a love letter to Prince's beloved Minneapolis, uh, and it's been used at sporting events there. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves gave away a seven-inch vinyl single of this song back in 2019, which is really, really cool. You know, if I was close enough to, to be in Minneapolis, these, all these wonderful Prince things that I they miss out on, but whatever. Um, and it's really the artist's way to brag about his hometown. So uh, this song was recorded in 1995, well after all of the songs that were recorded for The Gold Experience, for Exodus, for Come, uh, for the CD-ROM. Like, this was the newest song that was recorded uh, in the Gold Experience album era. So it is the real end of the era, even though um, songs from the era were released years later. This is the newest, most recent, and final song from the era. And it's a decent song. I mean, I like it. Um, it's catchy. Um, it's, it's a decent B-side, so great song. Um, track 29 is NPG Operator number 6. This is the final operator segue, specifically to introduce the rock anthem, Gold. Track 30 on this playlist, Gold from the Gold Experience. Now, this song has been called the Purple Rain of the 90s, or the artist formerly known as Prince's version of Purple Rain. And that is absolutely no exaggeration whatsoever. I remember when I heard the song for the very first time, uh, the feeling that I felt. It was a swell of emotion that I really hadn't felt since I first heard Purple Rain for the first time. There's something about the quality of the music, maybe not the lyrics so much, but the music. You, you hear in the song, or at least I do, and you feel the emotion. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's a song that I wish uh, more Prince fans knew about. I mean, I, I feel like Prince fans who, who buy his albums, they know this song because they know this album. But 
but the public, you know, the the wider Prince casual fans, they don't know this song like they know Purple Rain. And if it really was given, um, if it was promoted the way Prince wanted to promote it, and and really the full effort of everyone pushing to make this song and this album a success, had that happened, this song would be regarded as as we regard Purple Rain. I, I mean, I'm convinced of it. Um, the video, uh, the video of, for this song was filmed in front of a concert audience, you know, again, giving it more of a Purple Rain feel. Uh, there's a blistering guitar solo. I mean, it's just so, so epic. The, the album version is long and soaring and beautiful. Uh, the only criticism I have of the video is that the video is too short. Obviously, because it's a it's a single, the video is cut to like three minutes or four minutes or something. So it kind of sucks some of the power out of the full song. Um, but the album version, the one that's included on this playlist from The Gold Experience, it is a soaring, seriously beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, for years, up until that point in his life and career, Prince had been saying to his fans, and to the world, may you live to see the dawn. And as this song ends, there's a declaration, you are now a member of the new power generation. Welcome to the dawn. So it seems like gold is the culmination of everything that Prince had been writing about and singing about from the very beginning of his, of his career when he was when he was kind of praying to his fans may you live to see the dawn may you live to see the dawn and then the dawn finally came when he was able to release gold the song gold the gold experience album and all of the songs that were conceived and recorded during the gold experience album era i mean it really is a lot and um you know to casual fans I, I, I'm certain that all of this information probably sounds like a lot. It probably seems overwhelming and it, it probably seems confusing. And I'm, I'm well aware of that. Um, my notes for this for this podcast episode were, you know, 35 pages long and I trimmed them down to 25 pages. And I know that this is probably going to be one of my longer episodes. Um, but I didn't want to cut this up into to two parts, uh, you know, I really wanted to do one full episode. So I'm going to wrap this up as, as quickly as I can to, to, uh, to have this discussion done so you can go off and listen to the playlist. But for sure, um, this is one of my favorite albums and it is for sure one of my favorite album eras of not just Prince, but of any, any artist. Um, the Gold Experience was the first album released by the unpronounceable symbol, the artist formerly known as Prince, and it was his last Warner Brothers album until he reconciled with the label in 2014 before his death. So he ended up reuniting with Warner Brothers in the New Deal and, you know, they reissued Purple Rain and then he wrote his he started writing his memoir and then he unfortunately passed away. So before he his life ended, he did end up coming back into the Warner Brothers family. But up until then, The Gold Experience was his last album with the record company. So it kind of was an, an end of an era, for, per se. Um, 
So I just want to mention um, some of the sources that I used for most of this information. Uh, PrinceVault.com, Prince.org, UltimatePrince.org, Wired Magazine, the independent newspaper, and of course, Wikipedia. So all of this information came from all of those sources. Uh, again, I am also going to put together a YouTube playlist, which features the available music videos from these releases. There's also a video where uh, someone was able to record uh, video gameplay of the CD-ROM interactive. It's an hour and 50 minutes of footage where you can't play the game anymore. The CD-ROM is so old, it doesn't even play on modern machines, but he managed to, you know, jerry-rig a, a modern laptop or something to make it play old uh, software. And it's it's really, really great. I don't know if you need to watch the whole, you know, hour and 50 minutes of footage, but um, check out that video because it really gives you a sense of what that video game was like. And it may look hokey and it may look cheap by today's video game standards, but you have to realize that back in, you know, the early 90s, it was cutting edge. And uh, as a Prince fan, it was beyond um, what any other fans were getting from their pop stars at the time so so there you have it there is my kind of long-winded very fact-filled discussion of Prince the artist formerly known as the unpronounceable symbol his gold experience album era uh, definitely one of my favorite uh, album eras as I mentioned and because uh, Prince is so important to me I really wanted to make sure that I did uh, him justice. So, you know, this episode is probably really long. And if you've hung with me through this entire episode to this point, I just want to say to you personally, I love you for listening. I, I know you did it because you love Prince. So for sure, I love you for loving Prince. And um, I can't wait to talk about uh, more Prince-related uh, topics moving forward. Um, but uh, my first Prince episode is now finished, and it is in your hands, in your ears. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, playlist on Spotify, and I hope you enjoy the YouTube uh, video playlist that I will make available to you as well. You can find all of the links for everything at spookyelectricpodcast.com or on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the socials that I've made for Spooky Electric or my personal uh, socials, trentbenegas.com, uh, trentbenegas on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. So thank you for listening. Welcome to the dawn. I love you all. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. Uh, peace and be wild. Each episode of Spooky Electric has a playlist that I have created for each individual episode. The playlist can be found on my Spotify account, Trent Venegas, in the playlist folder titled Spooky Electric. The playlist track listings are listed on the Spooky Electric Instagram at Spooky Electric, where the O's are zeros, S-P-0-0-K-Y-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C. -Z -Z
E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C.